You may be seated. Welcome. My name is Norm Alexander. It's my privilege to serve on the Elder Board here at Calvary Church. And we are glad that you are here today on this very special Sunday for Calvary Church. And if you are a guest today, we are so glad you're here. You are welcome. You've come on a great day to come and join us. Because today, uh, after 86 years of Cal Calvary's history, we install our seventh senior pastor. And this is a unique Sunday because in that installation, as far as we know, this is the first time that the service will be translated into three languages besides English. We have our Spanish-speaking brethren here with us. Thank you for joining us. As is often the case, our service is being translated into American Sign Language for our hearing-impaired brothers and sisters. And what you may not know, because you can't see them, but remotely, the Mandarin Church that meets here on campus is also participating in this service. It's being translated for them as well. What a wonderful image of the breadth of God's kingdom. Additionally, as far as we know, this is the first time that the current senior pastor is participating in the installation of the new senior pastor. So we're grateful for this journey that we're on. We're grateful that God has brought us here today on this special Sunday. Some of you and many other people in other parts of this country recognize today as a significant Sunday for other reasons. <laughs> Some of you are TiVoing a football game this afternoon. Yes, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and we were honored and pleased that the NFL decided to hold the Super Bowl on the day of our installation Sunday. We were very pleased with that. The only challenge it created is having been personally invited to oversee the coin toss, I had to decline because I felt it was more important that I be here. There's actually another member of our congregation, apparently with different priorities, who couldn't get himself out of his Super Bowl obligations, but he has sent us a video message, and I think we're going to see that right now. Good morning, Calvary Church. This is Matthew Slater, original Calvary kid. 1985, came up in the nursery there, went to preschool in class with Mrs. Armstrong. Just want to say hello to my family back there in beautiful Santa Ana, California. This is a special Sunday at Calvary Church as we say congratulations and thank you to Pastor David Mitchell for 22 years of leadership. Thank you for pointing us all in the direction of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we also just want to say uh, we're excited about Pastor Eric Wakeling and his transition into his new leadership role. Pastor Wakeling, we're praying for you. Uh, we're so thankful for you and your family. Uh, just want to thank both of, the, of you guys for the men that you are and how you lead us uh, to pursue Christ to the fullest. Oh, by the way, there's also a football game today. If you care to tune in, let's, let's hopefully see the Patriots go out there and play at a high level today. God bless and all the best. 
Pastor Wakeling, who's that? <laughs> very cool, very cool. All right, well, it's a special Sunday today, so let me get you a little bit of the lay of the land. You've got, hopefully you've got a, um, uh, you got a handout when you came in with things that you will need. You will participate in this service. But we will have some special guests participating this morning. B. Wakeling, Eric's wife, will be part of the morning, along with others that were significant in his ministry and his life and his being brought to this place. Jim Burns will be our speaker bringing the message. And Eric's father, George Wakeling, will also be about a part of the service today. As well, all of you will participate as we bring a charge to Eric as part of his installation and pray for him. And then, likewise, Pastor Dave will bring a charge to you that we as the congregation will be part of Eric's ministry and the ministry of Calvary Church going forward. We will then have uh, communion led by Pastor Dave and Pastor Eric and finish up with a family photo. Clearly today is focused on this event and the history of our church. It's in, uh, focused on Eric and his ministry and the way forward. But ultimately, this is a worship service. We are here because of what Christ has done for us in many cases, or maybe we just want to understand what he can do for us as we seek him. But we recognize that he is the vine, we are the branches. If we remain in him and he in us, we can bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. So ultimately, we are here to worship him, to connect with him so that we can reach the world for Jesus Christ. And in the midst of all of that, we will have the celebration of the installation. We'll begin our worship time in practical ways with giving. So I'll ask the uh, ushers to come forward uh, as we uh, pass the offering. You can give now in the service. You can also give at the end of the service as you exit, and you can give online. And you can make your donation to the general fund, to our global missions fund, and also to our emergency needs fund. If you're a regular member here or regular attender here, you know that on the first Sunday of the month, we often take a sec second uh, offering for the emergency needs fund to meet the needs of those in our congregation that have financial needs. We won't be doing that this morning, so you can dis designate on your check or make a se separate uh, donation online later on for that. So with that, let me pray for our offering and the morning. Oh, I forgot one last thing. If you are a guest, again, we welcome you here, and we don't want you to give anything in the offering except if you would take the card that you might see in the seat in front of you and give us some information about you. We would love to be able to support you, reach out to you, meet your needs in any way that we can. That would be our privilege. So that's all we would ask of you this morning. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us here today. God, we desire to worship you and to honor you. We desire to worship you in our financial giving, and we desire to worship you in giving of our whole hearts. So enable us to do that today, God, with joy, with thanksgiving. And whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, whether we're distracted, whether we're worried, whether we're grieving, or whether we're joyful, God, that you would meet us where we're at so that we might engage with you. Be glorified in this morning. We offer it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. While the uh, ushers receive this morning's offering, let's take a look at this uh, video to hear about some exciting new ministry opportunities at Calvary Church.
morning, Calvary family. Welcome. Uh, my name is Courtney. I work with the middle schoolers. And my name is Erin, and I work with the high school students here at Calvary Church. And this week, we have some amazing new midweek ministries launching. It's going to be exciting. So come on a tour with us on the campus to see where these ministries are taking place. Come on, church. Along with our ongoing services for children's and student ministries, we're going to be doing something new here in Samzik Chapel. Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock for about an hour, we'll be in here with our good friend, Pastor Dave, going through an in-depth study of the book of Zechariah. We'll have an opportunity to worship together and just really be a, a better together family. Uh, so come on down Wednesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Here in the worship center lobby, we have Alpha starting for the next eight weeks. Come and share some dessert with fellow Calvary people, and you can learn about the meaning of life, who Jesus is, and what Christianity is all about. Hey, reach out and grab a friend. Come on and join us at Alpha. Here on the second floor of the Worship Center, we will be offering Financial Peace University. If you've been looking to get your finances in order, this is a great opportunity. We will be having a preview class this coming Wednesday in W209. on Thursday nights to join us for a time of passionate worship through music and to hear a weekly word of encouragement down here in the underground from 7.30 to 8.30. And finally, if you want to discover more about what it means to become a member of Calvary Church, you're invited to be part of the class next Sunday. There's free lunch and you get to go on a behind-the-scenes tour of Calvary Church. It's amazing! So come be a part of it. We can't wait to see you next Sunday. Thanks so much for taking this tour with us, y'all. Uh, if you need any of this other information, you can find it in The Current or on our website, which is calvarylife.org. Hello. I am Bee Wakely. I'm Eric's wife. I have spent over half of my life's adventures beside Eric Wakeling, uh, first as a youth pastor all the way through to the man that you see before you today. And it would be foolish if we didn't take a few minutes and some time to acknowledge the great gift that God has given him in surrounding him by men and women who have walked alongside him through every step of his journey. Uh, men who have invested in teaching him how to be a better version of himself. Men who have invested in teaching him to be an amazing leader. Interns and co-workers who've done their part to keep him humble. People who have taught him how to care for his heart so that it always stays focused on God's will. My husband is a man whose heart is to serve, to serve the Lord, and, to, and his heart's desire is to serve here at Calvary with our Calvary family. 
The versions of us that you see here today are through the work and dedication of an army of people who have loved and cared for us from the beginning so that we can then care for you. One of those men is Jim Burns, who not only invested in Eric as a fellow youth pastor and ministry worker, he entrusted all three of his children through, to us through junior high ministry. He and his wife, Kathy, uh, invested in us in our marriage before it even began. And I'm most grateful to Jim for his authenticity that he's always modeled, not just to us, but even in the ministry world where he's actually a really big deal. Um, he's been a source of wisdom and discernment, a person of balance, um, to add reality to the world that we, the fast-paced world we live in, and one whom we've turned to many times for prayer and support. I can't imagine starting the next phase of our journey without him. Thank you. I would like to welcome up to the stage, Jim Burns. Go ahead. Get me emotional. Be right at the beginning. Now, for most of us, we've never been to an installation service, but I want you to know that we're walking on holy ground. We really are. And this is going to be a service that we'll all remember because it's a special day where a legacy happens. Now, in 1931, there was a legacy that took place at the Ebel Club uh, here in Santa Ana. Okay? That was the picture. They had a lot of people. In fact, I don't know if Bob Shank is here, but I see him as one of the teenagers up there. Yeah, there he is. And Calvary Church has had an amazing ministry to this community for all these years, long before most of us were around. Teaching the Bible, doing global missions, pretty remarkable what they have done. And today that legacy is joined with the legacy of Eric Wakeling and his wonderful, incredible family. So the Calvary legacy meets the amazing legacy of the Wakelings. Now, Eric has been here almost 16 years, so, you know, you all know him. But the fact is, is that today he's called to a, a new strategic position, if you would. And I was thinking back to the scripture, and I love the story of Esther in the Old Testament. And the phrase that says, for just a time as this. Eric is here for just a time as this. But he's not here because things were broke. In many ways, it's because this is an amazing place which has done amazing things. And I just want to make sure that we all do uh, celebrate the amazing 22 years of Dave Mitchell's ministry. I was, I was telling Dave today that I have a privilege to be in quite a few churches, and I have never seen a succession norm go as well. Thank you for your leadership as chairperson of this amazing church. Really. Now, we've got back to this legacy idea. We all live with a legacy. Okay, there's the Calvary Church legacy, 1931. But also there's the Eric Wakeling legacy. His mom and dad are George and Betty Wakeling. And uh, they're beautiful, beautiful people. Betty, not too long ago, we actually celebrated her life and her passing here at this church. Um, marriage and family therapist, probably counseled half of South Orange County. <laughs> and George is with us today, and he'll be participating, a pastor, a beautiful man, incredible man, who also has reached out, honestly, to thousands of people. Most of you don't know them, but they are people who have obviously been a part of this legacy, okay? And what's fascinating about the George and Betty thing is that they taught Eric from a young age to love God. 
And they were first-generation Christians. They were born and raised in Canada, eh? And uh, they migrated here. They still talked funny, but that's another story. <laughs> but they taught Eric how to love God. And in fact, the scripture is filled with the fact that really true discipleship comes from our families, and that's exactly what George and Betty did. I'm not even sure when they started they knew what they were doing, because most of us don't, but they taught him to love God. And as that love for God, and when he was you know, younger, it wasn't always perfect because he was a little bit rebellious. But that love for God also was instilled in him, and then it became a love for people who struggle because his parents loved people with an incredible love, but also with a great amount of grace. Eric does that, and he does it well. He's imitating his parents. Also, a love for global missions because, you know, George and Betty did global missions, so Eric has quite a love for global missions. In fact, in many ways, as I look back at this amazing church, teaching the Bible, reaching people for Jesus Christ, and a love for missions, it's almost like the perfect fit. You'd think that God had something to do with this because it's a perfect fit of his strengths and his incredible strategic leadership, his love for this next generation, and, uh, and this church, which has been doing some of this for a long time. Eric, personally, I want to tell you how grateful I am to be able to be a part of this. You've taught me so much, and as B mentioned, my children. You remember the time when Heidi was in fifth grade? She hadn't made it to the junior high yet. And Eric asked B to marry her, and, and my daughter Heidi quit speaking. She didn't speak to B, honestly. She ignored B, and she didn't want to speak to Eric because she thought Eric was going to marry her, and actually thought that Eric was going to wait for her until she graduated from college, and she just couldn't understand, you know, why that was not the case. Now, speaking of B, one of the very best decisions of Eric's life, of Eric's life, was to marry B. And I love this picture because it shows at their wedding, and I happen to be at that wedding, them two becoming one. The Bible says that a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh, and that was symbolic of it. We thought then that he had married way above himself, and now we know that he has married way above himself. So I'll just tell you that right now if you don't know her, okay? And then at that service, they also prayed. So they became one, and then there they are praying, and we're going to zero in on the shoes, which I peeked, and it says, Yahoo! Now, all of us didn't see it at the wedding, but I just admit I peeked, and I saw that Yahoo, and I thought, why would Eric write that? And then I found out that B wrote that for Eric, and, you know, that was another story. But not really. I think a friend did it, and that's okay. Now, first of all, as I'm talking about you, B, I, I need to also apologize for your first wedding anniversary. Can I just do this personally in front of these people? Do you mind? So we happened to be together, my 12-year-old daughter, Rebecca, myself, Eric, and B, before their little beautiful girls were with them. It was their first anniversary. We were speaking at what they called the National Youth Workers Convention of Romania. It was supposed to be the first one. And B was so excited about her anniversary and first anniversary. This place was a dump. I'll just tell you that right now. The National Youth Workers Convention and other parts of the world and here are nice hotels. This was just kind of a dump. And as we were ushered into our room, we realized that we were sharing the room with them for their first anniversary. <laughs> Eric faked it and seemed okay, and I just saw B's face, and I was so sorry. I actually begged them to put me someplace else, but it was with the, there was kind of like a, a, some cows and some pigs, and I didn't want to sleep out there, so I changed my mind, and I felt so bad for her because the petition was 
as I recall, it was either a blanket or something very, very, very thin, maybe not even thin, I mean, it was so bad. My daughter was oblivious to it, but I just wanted to apologize to her for spending my, their first anniversary with them. But I want to say in front of all of these people, we didn't hear a thing. Now, I thought for months about this because Eric called me when this was going to happen and he said, is there any chance that, that you could speak at this? And I said, I would be incredibly honored and I've been thinking and thinking what I could say. What kind of a scripture do you say? What do you, what do you, what do you point out in a short time? And I actually want to take all of us to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most popular sermon, it's the most popular sermon ever written, never spoken. And the end of the Sermon on the Mount relates to them because I'm kind of speaking to them today, but this is also for all of us. Okay, And it has been going on for three chapters, and at the very end of the chapter, Matthew chapter 7, it shows up on the screen, I think we'll show it, it's, it's Matthew yeah, 7, 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus speaking, and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now it goes to the next part, and it says this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now here's the fact. Rain and wind and storms come to all of us. If you aren't in the middle of a rain, wind, and a storm, you will be, or you've just gotten through one. And what I want to say to, to you, Eric and B, is that rain and wind is going to come to this church. It's going to come everywhere. And it's not so much about stopping the storms in our life, but it's about building a foundation of our life with our relationship with Jesus Christ, with our marriage, with our family, with those two amazing girls, Grace and Ella. And it's putting the life on the right foundation, building it on the right rock. And what's interesting about a pastor is you're going to do that in front of a whole lot of people, but nevertheless, that's what you do. So in the last few years, seven years to be exact, I, I have been thinking about phrases that have been important in my life. And Eric, you've heard every one of these. B, you probably have too. But I want to share them with you as kind of a reminder, and then these people can kind of, you know, do with them as they want. But these are five phrases that are important to me. I, seven years ago, had cancer, and I started writing down some phrases, and I think my wife thought I was going to die, but I really didn't. But I kept writing these phrases down, and these five are meaningful to me to share with you. The first one is this, that your family is more important than your ministry. I'm saying it in front of all these people. See, way too many times, people who are in ministry have their confused priorities happening. And we actually put the church, Eric and B, in front of our family. And I want to say to you, I don't think that's God's call. Too many people have these, as I said, confused priorities. And there's too many people who have fallen and crashed and they built their house on the sand and it didn't work. So when we build our house on the rock, what we're going to talk about here is, is the right priorities. Every one of us in this room. In Espanol, también. It could be our relationship with God, our relationship with our marriage, our relationship with our children, and then our vocation. But those of us in ministry, and I admit, I, I have done this all these years of ministry myself, is that we sometimes get our vocation mixed up with, our, with our, our relationship with God. There's times when our vocation, our job at the church, takes precedent over our relationship with our family, and that should not be. And yet it does happen. 
Sometimes at the age of certain kids in our relationship, we have a child-focused marriage rather than marriage is number two, see. And I'm not saying that if you all have younger children, you know, they're like two and three, you don't say, hey, we're going away for the weekend, here's some peanut butter in the you know, cupboard. You're not going to do that. But the way we build a foundation is to not have those confused priorities and work on it like crazy. My wife Kathy has said to me tons of times, I've probably said it to Eric, we have a Messiah, he's doing very well, you don't need to replace him. And I think we as a church need to hear that to our pastor, that we have a Messiah, he's doing great. We don't need to replace him because we want a healthy pastor. We want a healthy pastor's family. The key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, by the way. You're a busy person. Everybody in ministry, most of us in here. The biggest problem in America, perhaps, is this breathless pace in which we live our lives. But the problem isn't going to be, or the key is not to, to prioritize what's on our schedule, but to prioritize our schedule. And so we want to give you the freedom to prioritize your schedule. And we hope those three beauties and you, so it's kind of beauty and the beast, we hope those three beauties and you um, take priority in some ways. You're a busy pastor. Your schedule is always going to be full. But don't give your family your emotional scraps. There are people in this room who would say, I gave my family my emotional scraps and look what happened. So the second one is about pain. And it goes this way. You've heard this. It's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. I mean, look at there's pain in life. So it's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. In fact, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. He used an athletic term, meaning training. So train yourself. So again, he's heard this. This happened to me this morning. I went to 24-hour fitness early in the morning, and I worked out. None of you thought that Eric's friend was all that buff, but I was working out. This is the pain of discipline. The A's burrito this morning, this is the pain of regret right here, okay? The egg burrito. So really, what I'm saying is, is that we want to encourage you to take time to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. In the book of Luke, chapter 6, there's a pretty incredible thing that took place. We see the inside of the life of Jesus, not his words, but his actions, because what he did was he went away and prayed. It's important that we see this. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 6, 12, and following. He went away and prayed. I mean, most people would go, okay, great, he prayed. That's what, he, that's what the Son of God does. But he took some time of solitude. And then he came back and he spent time with his, his, his friends. Really, his, disciple, his disciples were his friends. They were replenishing relationships. And what we want to encourage you, Eric, to do is to spend time in solitude so that you have strength for us. And then spend time with replenishing relationships. People who love you and care for you and make you laugh and, and people who are part of your community. So that then you could do ministry because that's exactly what Jesus did. Solitude. Then he had community. And then he did his ministry. And had a right relationship with, with, his, uh, with his God and a right relationship with his, his, his special people. And that made his ministry even more effective, and that's what will happen with you. We want to give you permission to spend time alone. Don't come here all the time. Spend time alone. Get close to God. Be a man of, of, of prayer and, and solitude. We, we need that from you. Be a person who has men and women around you who can build you both up so that you can be all that God wants you to be. So we give you permission to do that. Whatever it takes to discipline yourself, to remain spiritually and physically and emotionally and, and, and relationally healthy, it's worth it. Third one is this one. <laughs> You've heard me say this a bunch of times. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Right? You've heard it. This came to me prophetically. I had graduated from Princeton grad school in the 70s, and a friend of mine 
wrote this to me, and I actually was not at the graduation because I was on my way to come to a church in Orange, and uh, a good friend of mine here worked there, too. And uh, he wrote me this card. He said, Dear Jim, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Eric, you're not the one who's going to be in the arms of another woman. You're not going to make those kind of silly mistakes. But what's going to happen is, and, and me either, hopefully, but we're going to be so busy doing important things that we're going to miss the most important things. Most of the people in this room are overcommitted and underconnected. And so because we're overcommitted doing good things, that we become underconnected with our primary relationships. And so then we live in what we call crisis mode living. Crisis mode living is when you spend most of your waking moments going from meeting to meeting to carpool to laundry to whatever it might be, and we find ourselves falling in bed exhausted every night. It was that great theologian Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers. Um, I guess they didn't make the Super Bowl, but Vince Lombardi said this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And there's a lot of us in this room and a lot of pastors who are living at such fatigue level that they, they, they burn out, they don't do well. Overly busy people are broken people. I had somebody say to me yesterday, well, you're busy. It looks, it looks good. It looks like you're busy. No, if I'm overly busy, then I'm broken. Maybe that's another way of looking at it. Healthy marriages, healthy pastorates don't constantly work at a total fast pace. I was speaking at the Promise Keepers Pastors Conference. It was at the Diamondback Stadium. It was a number of years ago now. And I was with one of my heroes. His name is Jack Hayford. And he was the, what they called the pastor of ceremonies. And I always say this to uh, you know people who are in Christian leadership. I say, and I said to him, the band was playing. I was about ready to go on, talk to these pastors. And I said, what is the secret to your leadership success? And this guy has been an amazing leader worldwide. And he said, Jim, it's not what I've chosen to do. It's what I've chosen not to do. And I said, run that one by me again. He said, well, it's not what I've chosen to do. It's what I've chosen not to do. You see, I had to say no to some pretty important things so I could say yes to the most important things, my relationship with God. And then he named his wife, he named his kids, and he named his grandkids. And I went, wow, that's a leader I want to follow. That's somebody who I want to be a pa uh, my pastor. And I want, I've said to Kathy loads of times, boy, if we lived anywhere near this area, you know, Eric would be our pastor because I, I, he has that instilled in him. And so we get overcommitted, we get underconnected. Maybe you're overcommitted and underconnected. Well, then there's something we need to do about that. It doesn't mean that we all be, move to Wyoming, leave the church, and, you know, live in a commune. I mean, we're not going to do that. We've got to figure it out here and now. Eric, help us figure that out by your example. The other phrase, there's two more, accountability and replenishing relationships are key. Healthy leaders lean into accountability. I mentioned the word replenishing relationships, and they also lean into replenishing relationships. We need people in our life, and Eric, you have these people. Eric, you and B have done so well with this. But we have people in our life where we can ask the tough questions, like, is my pace of life as a pastor and in a busy family, is my pace of life sustainable? Do you have somebody that you can say that to? Well, this is one that I have to ask all the time. Is the work of God I'm doing destroying the work of God in me? And I've had to admit to my people that sometimes the work of God that I'm doing destroys the work of God in me, and that's not right. And then the last one is, am I only giving my family my emotional scraps? And that's a question that we're going to have to ask all the time. You've got to ask that question, too, as a congregation. See. So accountability, re replenishing relationships. Now, this may sound like an oversimplification, but there are two types of people in, in this room. There are VDPs, very draining people. Let's just hope that the very draining person isn't sitting next to you or you're not that person. Okay? And there are VIPs. 
Now, what's interesting about it, and Eric, I'm speaking to you, but all of us need to understand this, is that the BDPs, they'll find you, and that's not bad. You've been taught to love very draining people. I mean, that you, you, you have. But VIPs, we need VIPs, people who are inspiring. Who are those people that are going to inspire you and challenge you? Those, those aren't people that come up to you and say, I want to be your VIP. So what you do is you find those people, and we want to challenge you to find those people and have VIPs in your life. Also, lastly, and not leastly, is have serious fun. Eric, you're great at this. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 17:22, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And some of you might say, well, what about? I understand. Life's not easy. Life's complicated. But have serious fun, and we lean into it. We pro be proactive. We're intentional about that. You know, it goes on to say in that scripture, and I'm using a living version of it, of the, of the paraphrase, but it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit zaps a person's strength. Eric, play. <laughs> laugh. You have a most contagious laugh. I mean, it's a little awkward. I'll just tell you that right now. Okay? We can all hear your laugh when you laugh. Okay? Um, but one of the traits, I wrote a book once on traits of a healthy family. One of the traits of a healthy family is play. But you know what? One of the traits of a healthy church is play. You want to come to a place that's fun, sure, meaningful. Sure, you have to deal with other issues and, you know, all the stuff that happens. But play. Don't take yourself too seriously, okay? We don't. <laughs> Make sure you take time to enjoy your life. Life is too short to settle for just seriousness all the time. And like I said, you have an amazing laugh. Use it often, okay? So let's review. Five points. Uh, family is more important than your ministry. You translate that however you want, because I think some of the people in this congregation need to hear that, too, for that. It's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Accountability and replenishing relationships are key, and have serious fun. Now, pretty soon, the year is going to be 2031. It's going to happen in 2031. This church is going to celebrate its 100th anniversary. Dave Mitchell led this church for over 20 years, and he's done an amazing job. Well, I'm not a mathematician, but if you lead this church like we think you're going to lead this church, you're going to help this church enter their 100th anniversary. Wow. That's incredible. And that means that um, you and this amazing staff and an amazing group of elders, by the way, you're going to bring more people to Jesus Christ than we've ever seen in this area. And it's, the, it's, it's ripe for harvest. And you've got the staff. You've got the people. You've got the church. You've got the leadership. Now you just lean into it in a big way. And, you know, Eric, some of these people in this room, I don't know if I should say this, you're going to bury them in the next 20 years. Some of them you're going to marry. Some of them you're going to marry their children or their grandchildren. Most every week, you're going to stand here and you're going to proclaim the Word of God and that you do well. And when you're not there, then some of the amazing staff that you have, you're going to proclaim the Word of God. And this church will be a place that's going to continue to proclaim the Word of God. And at the 100th year anniversary, you can celebrate what this church has done influencing the world. And I hope, I know we have now several languages represented, but I hope you have 20 languages represented. Not only here, but also as this church goes. Every week. You're going to find somebody in this place, I'm sure they're here right now, who are in crisis, some heartbroken people. I don't know who you are. I do know that the nerd section is back there, but that's an another story. And every, every week, you're going to be 
proclaiming the fact that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I know that you take that with an incredible joy and an incredible responsibility. And I just pray, Eric, that this living legacy that began in 1931 with this church and the living legacy that's been passed on to you by your incredible dad and mom and I see your sister here and you know others who have passed this on to you, that this legacy will bring you strength and give you joy in his presence. And I love you so much. Amen. Thank you so much, Jim. We appreciate those words, and it means so much to Eric for all the life that you've walked along with Eric and B. It means a lot to us that you'd be here and encourage us in that way. Thank you. We're going to have, uh, you recognize this gentleman to my left, Pastor Dave Mitchell, along with Eric, and Eric's father, George Wakeling, is going to lead us now in prayer. Pretty emotional. <laughs> Father, I just ask you to bless my son, his wife B, his girls. Help him, Lord, as he leads this church into a new era. Thank you for Pastor Dave leading it the way he did. We just ask you to have him stand firm and realize that God is in control here and he will teach everyone. So we thank you for this day. We thank you for my son. Just bless him now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Thank you, We are uh, coming to the really the, the key point of installation in the service. And part of that will be your participation as well. Uh, in your uh, church bulletin, you should have a piece of paper that looks like this on both sides. And so on, the next thing that we will do is we will have a, you will participate with me in a charge to Eric as our senior pastor. And then Pastor Dave will lead all of us in a charge to us as his congregation to stand by us. So, are we ready? Ready. <laughs> Follow along with me, if you will. I'll read the scriptures, and then I will uh, express the charge in a form of a question to Eric, to which he will respond. Okay. <laughs> Eric, 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 16 says, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life, to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, Eric, will you commit to live a holy, faithful life as a witness before our church and community? I will. Second Timothy, uh, in that epistle, Paul wrote, For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that Sorry, what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. 
So Eric, will you remain faithful to and never be ashamed of the doctrine and beliefs of Calvary Church? I absolutely will. Again, Paul wrote to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Eric, will you accurately and patiently teach the full counsel of God's word and fulfill the ministry God has called you to do? I will. 1 Peter 5, verse 1, Peter writes, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witnesses, witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, Eric, will you humbly shepherd our church family as a servant of Jesus Christ, as our chief shepherd, and be an example of his love to our congregation? I will. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote these words. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with the superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Eric, will you proclaim that testimony of God and know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified and not depend on your own persuasive words of wisdom, but serve in the power of the Holy Spirit so our faith rests only in the power of God. I will. And finally, in Colossians 1, God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Eric, will you strive for the ultimate goal of presenting our church family as complete in Christ? I will. Amen. Thank you. Good answers, right? <laughs> That's right. All right, we invite you to have good answers as well. It's really a partnership between the pastor and the people and the congregation. It's like a marriage. You come together. We're all imperfect people, but we're going to have that perfect union of serving the Lord. And I've got some scriptures here that I invite you as a church family. Many of you have been doing this. We invite everybody to be part of this. 
And so I'm going to read the scripture as much as Norm did to Eric and then invite you to respond to the questions that follow behind. Hebrews 13 talks this way. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for if we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things, Calvary Church, will you honor and obey your pastor and pray for him to live a life honoring Christ? We will. Ephesians 4, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So Calvary Church, will you walk in humility and gentleness, with patience and in love, in the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? Again, Ephesians. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So Calvary Church, will you speak the truth in love and grow in Christ as you serve him together with the church. Amen. Philippians 1 says this, Paul writes, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things which are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, Calvary Church, will you abound in real knowledge and discernment from God's Word in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ? Philippians 2, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So Calvary Church, Will you humbly and selflessly regard one another as more important than yourself, just as Christ does for you? Amen. Colossians 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Calvary Church, will you seek Christ, keep your life focused on the most important matters of his life, and will until we are all glorified in him? Amen. Amen. 
And then finally, for all of us, united together, as Eric leads us as our senior pastor, as Jesus concluded his earthly stay and is about to ascend in, in a matter of weeks, he says this, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Will we all commit to making disciples of all nations by teaching everyone to observe all that Christ has commanded us? We will. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now have a, a time of prayer. I'd like to invite the rest of the Wakeling family, Steve, Ella, and Grace, to come on up. And along with um, Rick, uh, who's going to join us up here as well, one of our uh, elders. I think all the elders. Thank you, all the elders. We'll call them up one at a time. No. <laughs> We're going to get this right after the dress rehearsal. Yes. Just watch. If all the elders could come join us up on stage as we pray. I will pray for Eric. Dave, you'll pray for Eric's family. And I'll have Rick pray for us as an entire congregation. If you would like to, in this moment, join us by standing to join us in prayer, we'd invite you to do so. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for today. We are grateful that you have brought us to this moment. Thank you for all the good words that we have heard, the charges that we have heard from Jim, from your scripture. And God, we recognize that they are good words, but we are incapable of doing them without you. And so we confess to you our dependence on you and ask that you would be merciful to help us to live out what we desire to you to do in pleasing you. And first of all, we pray for Eric. We thank you for his heart and his love for you. We pray that he would be pure in his love for you. And that God, as, as we have heard, that of all the relationships that he has, that first and foremost, his desire, his passion, his ultimate goal would be to love you with his whole heart. And he would stay connected to you. You would draw him closer to you by your Holy Spirit, by the people you put in his life, that you would keep him pure and connected to you so that he can minister to his family and minister to this church as we all minister to the world. Thank you, Jesus. And Father God, I pray for Eric and B, Grace and Ella. God, thank you for their family. Thank you, even with the images that we saw, to reflect back in the day that Eric and B were married and for the life that you had charted out as a result of his dear parents and family members. God, thank you for the calling you've placed upon them as we know that what Eric decides, it affects the entire family. So I pray, God, that you would continue to bless them with your spirit to empower them, to guide them, to protect them, to refresh them, to renew them, to affirm them. Father, when those storms come, when those challenges have suddenly appear, God, that you would still... Give to them your special presence in their lives to sustain them together, to keep them united, to keep them focused on you. And, Father, to remember the priorities that are most important to you. 
that Eric love his wife and love his children and be a good father to Grace and Ella. Father, bless them with that great capacity, that great giftedness that comes from you. Father, help us to support Eric and his family as well. Help us to love them well and uphold them prayerfully and many other ways as we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Calvary Church, Lord, that you have been so incredibly faithful uh, year over year for the past 86 years, Lord. We thank you for that. And it's so exciting to see you pour out your spirit on Calvary, Lord. And now as we uh, install Eric as our new senior pastor, we look forward, Lord, to the season to come. And Lord, I just pray that Calvary Church would be a church that has the courage to remember that you are the Lord, the same God that faithfully began this church 86 years ago, Lord. And the same God who instilled the courage in Joshua and led Moses through the desert to the promised land, Lord. And has never, ever left or forsaken your church. May we stand as a church family, united as one body, to love you, God, with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and to love Eric, B. Grayson, Ella, and for all of us to serve well together. So it's in your precious and holy name, Lord, that we not only pray, but we firmly believe. Amen. Continue standing as we sing the doxology together. Let these words soak into your heart as we celebrate. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. We'd like to spend a few moments taking communion. It's appropriate on a Sunday like this to remember who's really in charge. Communion helps us to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. His human body that was born into this world, a sinful world, but remained sinless and perfect, and that shed blood upon the cross. So remember those two aspects of his body and his blood as we take these elements. And we first of all take the bread because we want to remember that Jesus is a human being. He is in heaven. He is our faithful high priest. He has experienced and felt what we experience and feel. So he's one that we as a congregation, we as individuals can always turn to, to know that he is there available. He understands and he wants to minister to us in any moment. 
So we receive this communion as a reminder that it's Jesus Christ who came to this world, and He is the head of the body, and He wants to continue to have that relationship compassionate and kind and loving. So as the elements come forward, let me pray for them and pray that God would bless these elements as we remember Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd. Let's pray. Help us, Father, as we gather before you now and as we have this tangible reminder of the body of Jesus Christ, that he was born into this world in human flesh, fully God but fully man, and that, God, that he walked this earth, he experienced pain, he saw the suffering, he expressed compassion, he wept at a dear friend's gravesite, and he had great joy as he celebrated with his disciples and had a fish fry. So, Father, thank you for so many ways that he was just like us in that human condition, but as that faithful and sinless high priest that we turn to. So, Lord, we remember him now through this element, through this bread, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Apostle Paul, reflecting back on that first time that Jesus served the communion with his own disciples, he re- reports it this way. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, as the ushers come forward, we remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we reflect, we'll take some time to sing and reflect upon the importance of his shed blood for us and the power of his resurrection. So we take time now to recognize and remember the ultimate chief shepherd, but also that ultimate sacrifice given by Jesus Christ. Let's pray as the elements are passed. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your son Jesus. And Lord Jesus, for you shedding your blood for us. We remember now the immense sacrifice that took place there, Lord. And we are a grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Precioso es el raudal que limpia todo mal. No hay otro
Apostle Paul continued, In the same way, he, Jesus, took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take together. So now we're going to pick up the party a little bit. All right? Uh, We're going to sing... Let's stand and sing a song about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as we do, you're going to see some kids coming down the aisles, and it's going to be fun. So let's sing with passion in our hearts out to God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In the darkness we'll dance, in the shadows we'll sing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Here we go. Yeah. See that. Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead, in the dead night, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. When the waters rise, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will 
faith arise you when I cannot feel your hand in mine with faith arise you God of mercy and love I will praise you Lord yes you shine oh you shine with glory Lord of life I feel alive with you in your presence now I come alive I am alive with you there is strength when I say Yes, yes. Don't be seated. Stay standing. We are going to do a big family photo. We have all of our nursery and preschoolers in here. And so welcome to you guys. And thank you to the leaders who have been with them for the last four hours. (laughs) You guys are awesome. Um, I want to just remind you, 1931, this was the picture taken of Calvary Church. Not everybody in there is happy, all right? I don't know why. It must have been the era. It was right after the Depression. But we, we have the joy of the Lord here today. And so we are going to do a couple of things. We have instructions for you. Are you ready? Number one, we're going to smile. So practice that. Everybody smile. There you go. Show those pearly whites. 
Number two, if you can't see the camera, and that's the camera right there, then the camera can't see you. So make sure that you can see the camera. And then the other thing is because of the nature of this picture, we have to kind of pan around. You have to hold really still. Can you guys do that over here in the front, all of our preschoolers and nursery workers? Hold really, really still. Ryan, can you see everybody here in the front row as well? Our little people? Yeah, can all of our preschoolers, will you guys stand up right where you're at? There you go. So that's it. We're going to all smile together. This is Calvary Church 2018. Um, so everybody watch Ryan and uh, we'll get this counted off here in a moment. Say cheese. One, two, three. All right, this time I'm going to say one, two, three, Calvary. One, two, three, Calvary. One, two, three, Calvary. Someone blink. We got it. The kids are going to go back to their classes. We'll pick them up there, and let's all join together as we sing one more song. Let's close with this as we sing. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound, his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. The silence still and all Every voice in this place, let's raise the name of our God and say, and all praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For in this day we will sing Your praise, oh Lord. i
say a little something. And then we're going to be finished. But I do want to say that I am, I am deeply honored and I'm truly grateful and just incredibly excited to be your pastor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to walking with you through the mountains and the valleys of this life, and to guide us as, as we keep our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus Christ and on Jesus Christ alone. And I can imagine, and I ask you to imagine with me a church, a Calvary church where hope conquers doubt, where joy invades our pain, where the Word of God determines every decision. And where we experience the warmth of family. Where healing comes both inside and out through the work of God's Spirit. And where everything we do comes from the power of the Holy Spirit of God alone. Amen. Yeah, amen. But I see a church where, where leaders are developed from within. And then sent out to make real impact, both here and around the world. But also where we as a people can experience deep rest that comes through times of Sabbath spent with a Father who loves us. Where young and old, rich and poor, and every beautiful color of skin sings passionate praise to God side by side with love in our hearts for one another. Where, where this whole better together thing is our way of life as the family of God. I see a church where each one of us reaches one for Jesus. 
And then each one reaches another and another and another until every man, woman, and child in Orange County has been engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ and experiences the hope, the joy, the love that can only come from God who makes all things new. Come on, church. Come on. Because... I see a church where the gospel of Jesus is more important to us than absolutely anything else. And I see this church. But I only see this church if we all come together, united as one, around this mission that God himself has given us. And that each one of us, then, would see another come into that transforming relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And so we start now. The work starts now. All this ceremony and pomp and circumstance, that is done, okay? It's time to get to work, people. We got things to do. And so we start now, and we start with prayer. And I ask you to join me. I've been praying every day. Our elders have been praying every day. Our staff have been praying every day for this. I say, will you join us to pray every single day? For us to be sent out as workers into the harvest. That God would give us courage. That God would give us a heart and love for people. That God would open up opportunities for us. And that then the Holy Spirit would give us words to say as we are sent out by God. Pray that with me every single day. You can start today. That's right. You can start today by having a conversation with someone that you would never normally have a conversation with after this service as we begin to cultivate that, that culture of warmth and love in our community even more. We can start now by believing in our heart that we can be developed as leaders no matter what life stage we are. We can start now by coming next Sunday and worshiping again alongside someone just completely different than us. We can start now by inviting someone this very week. I mean, you saw the thing about the Alpha Course. You can invite someone to the Alpha Course this very week. The work starts now. It's a place to be able to talk about our, our doubts and our questions about the meaning of life and God and Jesus in truly a safe, open place. Start now. We start now. Maybe you need to start now by coming this Thursday night and just reconnecting your heart to God in worship. We start now by embracing change and taking risks for the good news of Jesus Christ and believing in our hearts that God will do a great thing in us and through us at Calvary Church. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So we pray. Let's pray now together, please. Almighty God, we come before you and we say thank you for this moment. Thank you for, Lord, what you are doing in this room today. And I'm, I'm grateful. My family is grateful. This church is grateful, God. But I pray, Lord, that you would send us as workers into the harvest. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that boldness and love and open doors and then 
the words to say as we go, God. I pray that you would give us a heart of love and compassion for the people in our lives that need to know you, God. May you transform us. So I pray this blessing upon this church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may he lift his countenance to you. And may he give you peace. And all God's children, in the name of Jesus, say, Amen. Amen.